here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hey guys, it's Logan from Thrills United, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi, I'm Taylor Bybee from Coaster Studios, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hi there, my name is Ryan Subler, and I'm from Christian Coasters, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Schaefer from Upside Media, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and lend us both your Coaster ears. Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can drive all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your host, Kim Dykes. Hello, this is Kim with the Coaster Challenge podcast. And today I'm talking with Chris Werner, a professional graphic designer. Chris's work can be seen in many different formats, such as vehicle wraps and outdoor signage. Chris has done freelance work for nationally known clients such as NASCAR, Kings Island, the Coaster Kids Foundation, and Coaster Studios. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. How are you doing, Kim? Awesome. It's so glad to have you. I am so happy you are here to talk with us today. Let's get started with you telling us a little bit about yourself. You can talk about your coaster life, your work life, whatever you want to tell us. Stage is yours. Well, a little bit myself is um, I went to school for graphic design work at Cincinnati State Technical and Community College. Um, and from there, I, uh, I spent the last 14 years in the printing industry. Um, basically, uh, I guess you would say honing my, my craft that I've, I've done with all like the coaster posters and stuff like that to be able to do what I'm doing now. So, but other than that, um, work right now is just, I, I just do freelance graphic des- design work. So that's just what I've been doing. I'm working on some stuff right now for first, for some clients. I'm working on, uh, three different vehicle wraps right now for three different clients. So I got, um, a appliance repair business I'm working on. Um, I got a music studio that I'm working on and, I have a uh, cleaning company that I'm working on. So it's like three different, you know, companies or wild, you know, businesses. So I, uh, once they're done, maybe I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll post it on my Instagram with those uh, designs look like. So, Well, that is just absolutely fascinating because I know you're really well known within the coaster community for your artwork. But the fact that you can take that talent and expand it to so many different branches is just absolutely incredible. Okay, so now we're going to start to talk about coasters because that's what our podcast is about, Coaster Challenge Podcast. Let's get started with you telling us about your first coaster. What was your first coaster? 
my very first coaster was probably like everybody else's first coaster here in Cincinnati. Um, it was the Beastie. Now it's called Woodstock Express, but it, originally it was called Scooby-Doo. But uh, it was called the Beastie when I rode it. Um, that was my very first wooden roller coaster and very first coaster of all time. Um, it still has a special place for me. Um, you know, I still want to get that credit every single time I go to the park. Um, even though it is a kid coaster, I mean, it's still it's still fun to go and ride to get that nostalgia feeling back. Oh, I agree completely. That was actually my first coaster too. It was back when it was called the Beastie, and I still just love the nostalgic memories of Hanna Barbera Land. And one of the things, funny story that our group did when we were at Kings Island back on opening day, we did a uh, Woodstock Express train takeover at night. <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> that's that's awesome. <laughs> We have a good time. Okay, so as you have developed more experience with coasters, what is the one coaster that you would say has scared you the most? Oh, it was King Cobra with, with without a doubt. Uh, when that first opened up, I believe it was, I think it was 1984 is when it first opened up. Um, I was scared to, because to, it, it was the first stand-up coaster ever in existence, I, I believe, could be wrong, but uh, they uh, to have just that bicycle seat that you were sitting on with that one little lap bar that came up. Uh, I just looked at that and I was like, I looked at my dad. He was like, "Oh, it's going to be fine." I was like, "Okay, whatever." And I was like a little apprehensive about riding that, but like once I got over it, I was like, "Man, that was so cool!" I just wanted to do it again and again. But uh, I, I wasn't sure that at first, watching those people get on the, on the train, standing up, riding a roller coaster. But, like, once I got to do it as, as a kid, I mean, it was it was pretty awesome. Like, King Cobra still, like, I still rank King Cobra up there as, like, one of my top seven. I agree. I remember riding King Cobra. And unlike some of the other stand-up coasters that are still around, I remember it being an incredible ride. I, I was in the second grade when it opened. And you know, you're the first person to say that that was your scariest. Usually. Oh, really? Like, oh, yeah. Usually like Top Drill Dragster or something like that. I know that was my, that was the one that scared me the most. I'm aging myself now, Kim. Yeah, I'm <laughs> myself too. I didn't even ride anything. I grew up being told that everything was scary. My family went to Kings Island once a year. Everything was scary. I wasn't allowed to ride any coasters, but they would spend me to death in tight circles, which I hated. And I still am not a fan of to this day. It makes me feel sick. But I actually didn't even get on a coaster at Kings Island until my senior night in high school in 1994. Everybody was going to ride Vortex and I wasn't going to be the only one left standing there. <laughs> so yeah. I got on it and I actually loved it. And it surprised me that I liked it. <laughs> so that began the process of a lot of undoing for me when I realized that everything I had been told was so scary might not be quite as scary as I thought. Okay, so King Cobra was your scariest coaster. Do you remember yeah. how you were feeling when you approached the station? Oh, I was a little apprehensive about riding it. Um... I, I had like, you know, the, I can remember, you know, as a kid, um, approaching the station, um, 
I was a little scared. You know, I gripped my dad's hand a little tighter than I normally would on any other coaster that I had ever been on at Kings Island before. Um, and you know how you get that pit, that, that little butterfly feeling in your stomach when you're, when the train pulls up to the station and yes. you don't really know exactly what's going to feel like or how, what the coaster is going to be like, but then you start to, and then you get in the, in the ride and then, you know, you go up the lift hill and that anticipation feeling, you know, and then you, you know, once you get up to the top um, and then everything just lets go because you're on the ride and you have that euphoric feeling like this is the best thing ever, you know, like you just let everything out cause you're screaming and everything. And uh, that's kind of what it felt like, you know, like, I knew everything was going to be okay for one because my dad was there with me and I knew he wasn't going to let anything happen to me because he was right there. But, um, that's, that's what I felt like when I, when I got off the ride was that it was, that was the best feeling that I had ever felt before on that type of ride or any roller coaster, mind you. Uh, but I just couldn't wait to do it over and over again. So my experience going through the station at Top Thrill Dragster was quite different because, I mean, I expected, you know, like what you're talking about, the anticipation and that sort of thing. I was eerily calm going through the line and everything. I was completely fine, almost too okay. And then it all hit when I sat down in the seat. <laughs> they roll, you know, you roll up and then you stop. And you're sitting there at the stoplight. That, that's when I began to contemplate whether or not that was a good life decision. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember my hands shook so hard. I didn't know if I could, if I was going to survive the ride. But, you know, it was very much like what you said. After I did it, I, of course, wanted, it, wanted to do it more. And it became a goal of mine. I'm going to ride this thing until I can put my hands up on the launch. Because I was watching, oh yeah, I was watching the kids do it. And I'm like, they could put their hands up on the lawn. I can do this. I can do this. And I was, I was scared to death to do it. It took me five tries, five to rounds on wheel dragster. Round six, I finally did it. And did you give a whiplash? No, I was good. I still, <laughs> run, I still run it like that. But uh, I have to be careful though. The way that I put my hands up, or it will throw my arms back against the, oh, wow. back of the seat, which can hurt. So I have to watch the angle that my arms go up. But um, and then it was one of those things. Okay, you finally did it. Now you have to do it again to make sure when you come back, you don't chicken out and you're not holding on for dear life again. So that was my experience on my scariest coaster. So you said when you got off of King Cobra. It was a wonderful experience for you. It was. But again, it was very freeing. Would you say that it had an impact on your life after riding that coaster? Uh, it did, because, I mean, it, it made me want to go ride more coasters. You know, because you think about it, I, I, what, it was, it was 1984. Um, I was, well, that would maybe like, what's five or six i guess it was back then so um and you're a kid and you're apprehensive about doing a lot of things as, as a kid you know um yeah, i'm i'm a firm believer that if i didn't do it i, I may have not i may have not 
road coasters. You know what I'm saying? Like I rode the beastie, but that really, you know, it's the beastie. I mean, it's kind of like, it's a little outback and it's, it's not that big of a, it's not really a huge thrill coaster. You know, it's an intermediate family kid style ride. Um, but King Cobra was really like my first major thrill ride. You know what I'm saying? Like that was my first looping coaster. And, uh, I, I don't think I would have gone on anything else upside down. I wouldn't have gone on Vortex. I can tell you that if I didn't go on King Cobra. Uh, Vortex wouldn't have been my all-time favorite looper. Uh, it still is to this day, even though it's not there anymore. Um, but, yeah, it had a lasting impact on the rest of my life. I can totally get that. One of the things that you said that really stood out to me, you know, you said you're apprehensive about a lot of things as a kid, a lot of those things that we're apprehensive about as kids, if we don't overcome that when we're children, I discovered carried into my adult life. Right. So content, you know, facing and overcoming fear, I found, and it, you know, it wasn't even anything that happened on purpose, the, that it has really impacted every area of my life. One of the things I've struggled with a lot throughout my life largely due to, you know, how I was raised and that sort of thing is being very codependent, being a people pleaser. The rule in our house, you know, was just whatever you do, don't make the adults mad. Even if you need to speak up, just don't, you know, don't make anybody mad. That was the golden rule. Yeah. Um, I've discovered through the process of facing fear it just happens when you're not expecting it. All of a sudden, I'm able to be assertive. I'm able to stand up for myself. I'm able to stand up for my children when I need to. And I'm not afraid to do it. I've become just more confident in general. I didn't used to have any friends because I just was so quiet and to myself. And, um, you know, those are impacts that overcoming fear have had on my life. And I, you know, I didn't really actually see it happening until it happened. Well, you know, I was afraid as a kid because I was teased a lot as, as a kid. Um, like, cause of my, cause of my size, like, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm not a small, I'm not a small person. Um, I was always the biggest kid in class. You know, I was teased for being overweight or I was teased for being tall. You know, it, and one of the things is, is that, you know, if I didn't throw myself into art or music, you know, I really would have hated school because of the fact that I got teased a lot. I mean, I had friends, yes, don't get me wrong, but most of my friends were in band or they were in chorus, you know, um, because I'm not saying band and chorus kids are different, but band and chorus kids, okay, they're kind of different because they're more, they're kind of creative individuals. But, um, Roller coasters too did help me because going to theme parks um, allowed me to get away from all the other stuff that was going on. Just like, you know, I think you guys can kind of re relate to the, the whole getting away aspect of when you go to an amusement park. Like I mean, I, there was a post that came across my Facebook the other day and it said it was from like four and a half years ago. And it said uh, Warner's Disneyland. And it was a post about, king's island 
I mean, because, you know, I don't have the money to go to, to Disney World or Disneyland. So the closest thing I'm ever going to get to right now is going to Kings Island. So that's the way I kind of look at it. So, I mean, that's my that's that's my getaway is going to Kings Island or going to Cedar Point or going to Carowinds or going to Dollywood or any place like that, you know. So uh, can you kind of relate to that? Totally. My getaway in school, because I had a very, it sounds like a similar school experience to you. I was picked on for pretty much everything under the sun. I went through a phase where I was overweight. So I was made fun of for that. I had really thick glasses because I didn't, can't see, still can't see. <laughs> I have glasses on, but I was made fun of for my glasses. I used to have a really big gap in my teeth. So I was made fun of for my teeth. The gap was so big, it made me lisp when I was younger. So I was picked on for that. And um, it was, if it wasn't one thing, it was another, because that's what bullies tend to do. You know, if they're not going to find one thing to pick pick on you about, they're going to find something else. Yeah. My getaways in school, I was in band and on the tennis team, but I was still very isolated within those groups. I would take my trumpet and just practice for hours. I would take, I would go to the tennis court. We had like this big backboard you could practice on. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd be there three or four hours at a stretch um, working on tennis skills. You know, that was my getaway at that point in time. But very much like you in my adult life, that's what I have found is my getaway now is king's island roller coasters because once you can let go once you let go of fear you let go of all the stress in your life too it's yeah. just it's just so freeing and yeah one of the wonderful things that's really unexpectedly occurred through our trips to king's island is it's kind of become like the old show cheers you want to go where everybody knows your name you know, even when you sh it's if when you show up and you don't even tell anybody you're coming, yeah, you always find friends. And a lot of times, when you're not expecting it to happen, you wind up making new friends along the way. Well, you know, it's funny you should say that. You know, you just showing up and you made friends. I didn't join a roller coaster club until probably about five or six years ago. Uh, and then when I said, when I joined a roller coaster club, the very first roller coaster club I ever joined was coaster crew. Um, and when I joined coaster crew, I met, uh, three of the nicest people that I still call my friends today. I met them all on coaster crew. And then I met some other people. I, I'm a, I'm an ACE member now, but, uh, I met, uh, more of my friends that I have now, like, you know, addition to, uh, the coaster friends I have now, I met him, I met him through ACE. So I met the friends that I talk to now more. I met him through coasters than I had previously going through, I guess you would say, you know, life, you know, whether it be high school or college or anything, but I hardly talked to anybody I went to high school with anymore, except for one person uh, as my best friend from high school. He and I still keep in contact today, but everybody else I talk to that I hang out with, they're all from coasters. So Absolutely. That's what's happened to my life over the past couple of years. And honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. Okay. So 
We just talked about your experience on King Cobra. Thinking about all of the roller coasters you've ridden, have you ever had a really crazy moment? And if so, what has your craziest moment been on a coaster? Um, the craziest moment I ever had um, had to have been when Diamondback first opened up. And, you know, that little phone area they have outside the, you know, they show like, you know, if you don't put your phone away, this is what it's yeah. going to look like. So I was sitting in the very back row. You know how you get a lot of airtime going on Diamondback. So we were cresting, we're cresting the second hill after the first, after you drop down the first hill and you go up over and you're, you're cresting over the second one. So I see this phone just floating in midair as I'm, as we're going over the second hill, I just see this phone floating in midair and I caught it midair. <laughs> that is the coolest story ever. <laughs> you have a catch a phone credit on a coaster. I'm joking. <laughs> I mean, it was just coming straight at me. I just caught it midair. I held on to it and then I gave it to the ride up afterwards and I was like, here. <laughs> That's crazy. That actually reminds me, Tim Walter from F5 Coasters. He told me the same thing happened to him. A phone floated up and he caught it. Yep. The craziest story I have was when um, we had a last train ride on Orion. I'll never forget this. It was back in 2020 when we had to wear the mask. Didn't rain a drop the whole day. And about five minutes before we got on that last train, it started pouring a tsunami. Oh, that's crazy. And um, all these people started running out of line. And we we're like, well, we're going to get soaked going to the parking lot. So may as well stay here and get wet anyway. By the time we got off that coaster, the water had gotten up under my mask. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't see a thing. Did you, did you feel like you got waterboarded? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had puddles of water standing in my shoes. <laughs> all the way to the car and i'll tell you when we went to speedway that night we got some really interesting looks <laughs> that was a fun night hi everybody see you <laughs> all right so i'm going to ask you do, how, do you count your coaster credits i have but i usually don't but like i know how many that i've ridden like over, like, you know, I'm saying I, I know what my coaster count is, but I don't normally just, I don't normally keep count. Like before this podcast, like I went and actually like tallied up so I could go on here and tell you how many I actually have, but I don't make it a habit of, I just go like, I just like to ride. Mm -hmm. I don't make it a habit of like, I have that credit. I have that credit. I have that credit. But for this podcast sake, I, I'll tell you what my number is. <laughs> tell us the magic number, please. What's that? Tell us the magic number, please. Magic number is 185. That's a good number. Out of those 185 coasters, that's a lot. What is your absolute favorite coaster that you've ridden? My absolute favorite coaster out of those 185 yes. is, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, really, I, come, I keep on coming back to Kings Island, but like, um, it's, I really can't, I have to, I'd have to rank them like by classification of like steel and then hybrid and then wooden and then inverted. So I'd have to do it that way. But like, 
My favorite wooden is the racer. Um, and it's even more of a favorite now that it got retracted. Because <laughs> Gravity Group did an amazing job on that. Yes. Um, and then my favorite steel coaster is Magnum XL 200 at Cedar Point. Because uh, that was my very first hyper coaster that I rode. I rode it in 89 when it opened up at Cedar Point. And we waited, my brother and I and my dad, we all, we all waited like was it five hours to ride that ride. So I remember when that Magnum Q was nice and big and it had a DJ there and they had music playing and everything. I mean, that was, that was pretty cool having a DJ booth right there. I mean, Cedar Point, you know, when they, when they go big, they, they usually go big. Um, but then I would have to go favorite invert would be afterburn followed by Montu. I mean, it's a close, it's a close neck and neck. I don't know if you've ridden Montu yet. I have. I rode it back over spring break. How did you like it? It's my favorite in the back row. I in love the back it. row? Of course, I'm short. So the thing, the, the, the do or die for me with those over-the-shoulder restraints is headbanging. Oh, okay. If there's any headbanging at all, it goes down on the list. In the back row, I was able to let go. I didn't even have to try to hold on because I didn't have to try to hold on or anything because in a lot of the inverts, I have to hold on and keep my head way back to control the headbanging. Didn't have to do that in the back row of Montu whatsoever. And I loved it. In the front row, it tried to get my head a couple times. Yeah, okay. Very minorly. See, I like the middle to the back there on, on Montu. That's, uh, that, was pretty, that was pretty good. Alpengeist was kind of the same way. I don't know if you've ridden, I don't know if you've ridden Al Alpengeist that way. That way the front yeah. was kind of the same. I have. And Alpengeist and um, Afterburn both. I, I had to work really hard to control the head banging. I love the intensity. I love the underground dive. Those Gen 1 B&Ms were just amazing. That's like Raptor. Like Raptor is just, Raptor is awesome. But I can definitely see the love that you have for Afterburn. Because it seems to me like a lot of, you know, taller people that don't have their head right there inside that restraint seems to make a big difference. The same, the same case with Magnum. Um, I have yet to have a good ride on that. And I am bound and determined somehow to learn how to ride that coaster and like it because I've heard from too many people how to ride good the back it. row. I've tried every row and it just, it tears my thighs up. But someone I, told me to ride it. I have bigger thighs than you, Kim, and I ride it fine. I don't know if it's a height thing or what. But just, <laughs> somebody told me to ride it pretty much standing up. Don't let your bottom hit the seat. So the next time I ride it, that's what I'm going to try, and I'll go. In well, the see, back. like how I ride it, Kim, is that like when you go over? The, are you talking when you go over the bunny hills? Yeah. It just okay. Can't. So when you go over the bunny hills, like I usually just kind of like lock my thighs up into the like lock it up up into the restraint. So like you kind of like brace for it a little bit. That's how I do it. So like I don't I don't I don't find it like very like painful at all. I find it fine. Oh, I'm definitely gotta love Ron Toomer and his coat hanger. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna keep that in mind because that is another life goal of mine right now is to learn how to appreciate that coaster. Because right now I I just don't feel the love for it, and there's too many people that say good things about it. I need to try again. 
That's the mindset that I'm in. Magnum's legendary. I agree. I've heard like it's so many people have so many good things to say about it. I'm still thinking there's something I have to be doing wrong. But uh, I was going to say like my my like continuing down that list. I like the my favorite shuttle launch coaster. If you want to call it a shuttle launch, was Superman: The Escape out of Magic Mountain. It's got like seven seconds of airtime just hanging there. I've not been to Magic Mountain yet. You got to get to Magic Mountain. Magic Mountain, Knott's Berry Farm. Uh, Those are really great parks. My goal is to get there next year in 2023. That's on the radar. Okay, so you've told us your favorite coasters in each category. Would you say that you have a least favorite coaster? Oh, yeah, one that I would never ride again? Yes. Yeah, Storm Chaser. That's interesting. I, there are so many mixed reviews on Storm Chaser. Some people have it literally in their top five. Other people, such as yourself, do not like it. What is it about Storm Chaser that you don't enjoy? Uh, it's for me, being as tall as I am, it's the restraint. And it just, it killed my thighs and it just wasn't a very, uh, enjoyable experience and i was just like hey once it's cool i got the credit i'm, I'm done <laughs> you know i noticed that i was there you were there for that day yeah i was there for pass holder weekend this weekend this past weekend too and something i noticed and it didn't stand out to me as much when i first ran storm chaser as it does now that i've ridden more of the top tier RMC's most recently Iron Quasi, which is, as Andrew calls it, the Goldilocks of RMC's. It really is. When I got back on Storm Chaser after many rides on Iron Quasi, I was like, wow, the transitions on this thing are really jerky. Yeah, they're rough. They are. And I didn't notice that before. Yeah, especially and, the ending. The the, the yes, ending bunny hills are completely like I mean painful. I they're they're more rough on that than they are in Magnum at Cedar Point. And Magnum at Cedar Point, it's over 30 years old, if that says anything. And I also found it to be a bit bumpy, which those are not things that stood out to me until I've gotten more experience. But I can see where you're coming from with that opinion on that ride, totally. And it's just my opinion. It's only an opinion. I mean, it, like I said, I'm not here to say like my opinion is, you know, right or wrong. It's just an opinion. So. Absolutely. And that's one of the things I've discovered about being in the community and having as many coaster friends as I do. Everybody has a different experience. You know, there are friends of mine that have a deep love for the old arrow coasters for me, I like Tennessee Tornado. Loch Ness Monster was fun. Oh, yeah. Then it just kind of goes downhill from there. I have other friends that absolutely love Vacomas, some of the older Vacomas. For me, almost all of them are a one and done. But everybody likes different things. And to each their own. And as long as we're all, you know, riding coasters and sharing our love of coasters and friendship, that's what it's all about. So I'm taking you out of a Coma SLC fan. No. 
Absolutely not. And yes, I have ridden some that are worse than T3. <laughs> my least, one of my least favorite coasters, we're talking about least favorite. There's a couple. The first one we've talked about stand-up coasters is Vortex at Carowinds. One yeah, I can that, do without that for a while. That thing, my legs felt like they were going to blow up and it beat my head to death. That's probably one of the, that, that, that ride is probably one of the, um, the hardest for me to ride because it, the, it doesn't go up tall enough. Yeah. Now, like one of the best stand-up B&M rides that I've ridden, it was Chang, but it's not, it's not Green Lantern at, out at Six Flags. Mm-hmm. So it, that was a cool stand-up. I mean, that was very smooth. I can see why people at Kentucky Kingdom love Chang. I can't even remember if I rode Chang. So that's why I'm not going to count it. I went to Kentucky Kingdom when I was younger, but I can't remember if I rode Chang. So I'm not going to count it until I actually ride, ride it as it is now. And with the SLCs, I think the worst one I've ridden, and I've ridden some bad ones, up at Michigan's Adventure last year, Thunderhawk. Thunderhawk, yeah. I've never experienced something that felt like it was going to amputate my arms. Well, didn't that used to be a Jaguar Lake? I'm not sure. The, the shoulder pain on that ride was absolutely unbearable. It was so sharp and so painful. I can take the thigh numbing of T3 over the arm amputation of Thunderhawk. <laughs> so I'll leave it at that. Those are a couple of my least favorites. Now, you and I have discussed before that you have epilepsy, correct? I do. How has having epilepsy impacted both your coaster life and your everyday life? Um, coaster life, it hasn't really had too much effect. Um, just that I can't do a whole lot of spinning rides. Um, I, I, uh, I have to take medicine every single day uh, for the rest of my life. Um, for my everyday life, I guess you would say, um, I got to carry uh, a disability card with me, like a federal disability card from and from the state of Ohio that says that I have a class one disability. Um, I have to take, I have to have a two part, uh, driver's license that allows me to operate a a motor vehicle. I can't just have a regular license. I have to have a two part medical license to operate operate a motor vehicle. Um, every single year I have to go see my neurologist, uh, for a yearly checkup to make sure that I didn't have any seizures during the year just to be able to drive. Uh, I'm 43 now. And I've had epilepsy ever since I was in the uh, third grade. That's when it first started. It started um, as staring spells. Um, and then it graduated more to the, the tics, like the head bob tics. And then it graduated to grand mal seizures. And I've had, I can't even count how many grand mal seizures my entire life. Um, it's... It's something that I wish nobody, no parent or anybody else would have to go see their child go through um, or a sibling. I mean, I can't imagine what my brother had to go through, my parents had to go through, watching me go through that. Um, there'd be days where I'd, I'd be fine and then there'd be days, days at a time where I'd be having seizures left and right. 
Uh, I spent the majority of uh, my fourth, fifth, sixth grade years at Cincinnati Children's Hospital trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And they finally diagnosed me with uh, juvenile myoclonic epilepsy, which is uh, basically, uh, as I understand it, it's uh, like, uh, like a generalized epilepsy. Um, where you have your synapses in your brain will be fine. And then all of a sudden you'll get irregular irregularities basically in, in your brain waves. And then this all heck goes loose. So, but knock on wood, I've been eight years right now, seizure free. So That's yeah, it's, it's, it's been a blessing. I mean, every day I, I thank God for, you know, another year and another day not having any issues. Um, but I'm never going to be out of the woods. I always have to take medication. Um, and like, if anybody wants to message me, you know, about similar experiences, like having epilepsy, you know, what can they do about it or where can they go or that kind of stuff? I mean, I, uh, I try to work with the, uh, epilepsy foundation, like with doing like an art thing every single year. Like, uh, like drawing an art piece and then donating the proceeds to the Epilepsy Foundation every single year because I, I try to be a huge advocate about for epilepsy awareness because it's, it's really close to me. I mean, that, that issue is a really close cause because A4, I have it. So, but uh, the way that it would affect amusement parks for me is I don't do flat rides usually because it's staying in one spot and then going around spinning messes with my equilibrium um which could send me into a seizure that's totally understandable and i thank you for educating me on that because that's not something i would have ever thought ever been aware of before you told me my son he used to have seizures and we didn't know it for a number of years he would, he had short-term memory loss, always has had issues. Like he could learn something like math or whatever one day, have a really good grip on it and understand it. And the next day, like he'd look at it like he'd never seen it before. And it took a really long time to figure out where these memory lapses were coming from. And it caused him for a while to have a really hard time in school because teachers would think he was just playing dumb, you know, being lazy and that sort of thing. And after a number of years, figured out that he was having absence seizures. Oh, yeah. And they were so quick. It was hard to even know that it was happening because he has ADHD and autism and so you know a lot of it would just be kind of passed off as he was you know thinking about something else or not focusing or that sort of thing and it wasn't until he went to the neurologist and had testing done that they discovered that he was having absent seizures he has thankfully outgrown those but the lasting impacts on his short-term memory as he's getting older, you know, now that he's got his first job and everything, that's something he has to make sure that they are aware of. He has a, you know, slow processing speed. 
he needs, you know, repetition to retain what he's taught and, you know, self-advocacy for him, even though he no longer has the seizures is going to be critical for him to be successful in his adult life. Okay. So I know that you are a very well-known artist and you've done a ton of very recognizable artwork in the coaster community. What is your favorite coaster design you have created in your artwork? And why is it your favorite design? It's the Thunder Run poster that I did for Kentucky Kingdom's art show. What was that last year, year uh, two years ago? Um, it's my favorite because it allowed me to use different techniques that I hadn't used before. Um, all that, all that wood on the track that I, that I did, that was a, a new technique that I had learned about, um, where you could take a piece, uh, like a piece of like, that was a piece of wood, like a picture that I had taken and it allowed me to like map it onto a surface and, and Adobe Illustrator and basically turn it to different directions and shapes and that kind of stuff, make it look like different pieces of wood so that like the picture actually looks like, so the drawing actually kind of looks like almost like, like a photograph because of the wood beams. I don't know, I don't know if you've seen the piece, um, but I made it so that each different piece of the structure of Thunder Run, like the wood grain, it looks different, but I was able to achieve that by just turning uh the 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 piece um the pattern uh, a certain direction and scaling it and moving it up and around in different directions to make it to make it look that way but it was a it was a new technique that i had learned at that time so like that's why that is my favorite because it was a new skill i had learned at the time that i was able to to acquire right before that i guess art show and so i was able to you know make that look the most realistic of, of them all. So, and plus it was for, it was for their art show and it was going for a good cause. And um, I was on the panel with other artists. I was on there with Steph and I was on there with Aaron and I was on there with Adam Brown from over in England and Gabby, she was on that panel too. So to be considered with the likes of all those other artists was such a good honor. So that's one of the other reasons why that's my favorite piece. Yes, I have actually seen the artwork. I do remember it quite very well from Keats of the Kingdom that year. Now, I know a lot of us know how to find your artwork, but there are others that are probably wondering where they can look at your artwork and purchase it if they would like to. Would you please tell us where your artwork is available for purchase? Yeah, so if you go to uh, my website, which is my name, it's uh, ChristopherWernerDesigns.com. That's uh, K-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-W-E-R-N-E-R-D-E-S-I-G-N-S.com. Um, or you can go to CoasterPosters.com. Uh, it's basically the same website, but it's a, the Coaster Posters redirects. Um, I have different art on there. Like right now, I have a three-button set with a postcard from Orion um, that the proceeds are going to a, a, the a Kid Again Foundation. Um, so you get 
the three different Orion crew pins that I went ahead and designed. And then you get a five by seven postcard of my Orion poster that I did from last year. I just shrunk it down and made it a postcard size. So you can send it out if you're going on vacation or if you want to frame it, um, you can do that, but it's $30 and you can go ahead and uh, buy that on the website. And then uh, all the proceeds from the sale of that go towards the, a kid again foundation. So. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that information with our listeners. When it comes to overcoming fear, what advice can you give to those who are listening and maybe wanting to overcome fears and challenges in their own life? Uh, the advice that I can give those who are listening about fear is uh, don't let fear get in your way. Um, don't let fear stop you from doing anything. Um, always rise up to the challenge. Um, I guess a little, a little backstory about me when I was in college um, is I had some people tell me that I would never amount to anything in design. Um, and I kind of, for a couple of years, took that. I was scared because when I was in college, I saw some of the other people that were, um, you know, better than what I was. Um, but I kind of let it, I kind of let the fear of that rule me for, you know, a, 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 a couple of years. But then finally, um, I got to meet Jeff Joyner and I got to do the Coaster Kids logo. And I saw all the kids wearing the stuff, wearing the t-shirts, wearing the logos, how they were overcoming their fears and whatnot. And I was like, you know, they can overcome the fears. You know, I can overcome my fears too about, you know, stepping out of the shadows and putting my art out there. So I have to give a big shout out to Jeff Joyner for helping me over, over for helping me overcome, you know, my design fears too. So I just, you know, if it wasn't, I would say if it wasn't for Jeff, I mean, you know, there were, I don't know where I'd be when it comes to design work. Cause he really helped me, you know, kind of kickstart it, kind of kickstart this whole, you know, Chris Warner designs thing. So I just want to give Jeff a big shout out too. So, but my advice is, is that um, I would just say, don't give up on your dreams and don't let fear get in the way because like I said, you know, there's the worst thing you can do is do is don't try. So always try. I mean, if you're afraid to get on a roller coaster, don't let that stop you because it could be the best thing ever for you. So. Absolutely. And you know, you were talking about the good, the great things that Jeff Joyner has done for you and the Coaster Kids Foundation, kind of getting your Christopher Warner Designs career up and going. It was Coaster Kids that brought us into Yeah, it was Coaster Kids that brought us together. And it was, you know, Coaster Kids that kind of kickstarted all this freelance stuff for, for me off too. So they certainly have done a tremendous amount of good for a whole world of people. So oh, yeah, they have. So thank you, Jeff Joyner. And thank you, Logan and Coaster Kids for that. Okay, so our, my last question is, where can you be found on social media for people that might want to view your artwork or just find out more about Chris Warner? Um, so you can find me on Twitter, you can find me on Instagram, and you can find me on Facebook. Um, so on Twitter, um, it's at Designs, 
And on Instagram, it's Christopher Werner Designs. And on Facebook, it's Christopher Werner Designs. And that's all with a K. <laughs> that's all I got to say. It's all with a K. All right. Well, thank you so much for being our guest on the Coaster Challenge podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you and hearing your story. Thank you so much. I love talking with you too, Kim. It's always a pleasure. Good talking with you. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today.